Hey, Startup Nation, check it out. So we have an amazing guest for today's episode, but, you know, my guy Rob Lackenauer, right? And he wrote an amazing book, but I did not say the complete name of that book. I do apologize. The name of the complete book is the Harvard Business Review Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain a Successful Enduring Enterprise. And the thing is, Startup Nation, we love our friends at HBR Harvard Business Review, and we want to make sure that we say the full name of the book, but more importantly, so that way you know where to find that book, even though, you know, it's there in the show notes for easy access, but we want to make sure we put uh, the proper name in the episode. So every time you hear me refer to the book, just know I'm talking about the Harvard Business Review Family Business Handbook by my guy, Rob Lackenauer. Now let's get to the episode. Enjoy. It's time to be about that life, the startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, we oftentimes, you know, we're, we're sitting down. We just, you know, had, you know, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays and stuff like that. And we sit around with family like, you know what? We should go into business together, right? But sometimes it's not so simple as to just do it that right. Like there's a there's a certain structure, a certain process uh, you need to kind of go through, especially when you add the dynamic of family there. And we have a fantastic guest who's going to help us out with that. He is the partner and CEO of Banyan Global, where he works around helping world works around the world, helping businesses, families thrive. And also he's a contributor to HBR.org. Uh, and he is the writer, the co-author of the book from the Harvard Business Review, Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain Successful Enduring Enterprise. He is the one and only, the superstar, Rob Lackenauer. <laughs> Big Rob, how's it going, man? Dominic, wow. <laughs> I think I get the superstar thing, but thank you very much. It's great to talk to you. I look forward to it. No worries. No worries. We're definitely <laughs> glad to have you uh, on the show, my man. But before we kind of dive into it, if you would just kind of give your origin story, your background a little bit, if you don't mind, good sir. Yes. Um, so I was I was groomed, I think, retrospectively. I was groomed to be pretty much a steely-eyed capitalist. Gotcha. First job was with PepsiCo and okay. it was a real tough tough organization mm -hmm. went to harvard business school which people talk about being the west point of capitalism and i found that true gotcha. worked for and became a partner at boston consulting group mm -hmm. which at that time i think it's still a leading strategy shop consulting firm in the world mm -hmm. there i co-authored a book named, uh, called hardball right uh, seven strategies to trounce your competition so i was really loving uh business competition mm -hmm. it was Really exciting and fascinating for me. Um, but then our third daughter, <laughs> Sophie, came <laughs> along, and the whole equation wasn't working. Uh, BCG, I loved it, and mm -hmm. it was asking you know for more than 100% of my time. So gotcha. I couldn't be both a great dad and a great business consultant at the same time. Right. So I entered the startup life. I hear that. And I appreciate I, that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left, uh, left BCG. Started a company with uh, some friends and then some angel investors, uh, taking what is uh, the, in the the space shuttle tile. The inside uh, is a is a porous microstructure, and we created a world leading filter out of that, and also a bone scaffolding to be putting your bone to remodel bone. Mm -hmm. uh, I was CEO of both. It ended up the bone scaffolding. Um, I was the wrong CEO. 
as mm. my wife, who is a pediatrics infectious disease doctor, pointed out, Rob, the last time you took biology, it was sophomore year in high school. <laughs> she was right, and that's a world of deep expertise I really didn't have. Right. So I put my head up and I said, "Well, what, I, what am I good at? What do I love to do?" Mm-hmm. And I did love working for BCG, but not at that pace. Gotcha. So I got I, through the co-author actually of Hardball. I got into uh, working in a business that advised family uh, family businesses. And I'm like, family businesses? That's kind of crazy. Why are you doing that? Right. And I, you learn that they're actually some of the biggest businesses in the world are mm. family businesses. Right. Cargill, it's like $130 billion in, in revenue annually. And, you know, Joe's Pizza, <laughs> to right. mom and pop, right. mom and pop pizza making business. And family businesses have a complexity of issues, which you don't face in any other uh, kind of business. So that's, gotcha. and now uh, we, uh, we started a company called Banyan about nine years ago. Right. We work exclusively with uh, the owners of very large family businesses. And essentially, we advise them on how to successfully do it, what's called a generational transition. So it could be from the founder, generation one to generation two. Most are, you know, third to fourth generation. We had one client that was 21st to 22nd generation. Mm-hmm. And you'd think, Dominic, by the time they're in the 21st generation, they would have figured it out. Right. <laughs> That's how you do it. Right. But every time it's new because you've never either been the generation giving away the business or right. receiving a business. So there's always a lot to learn. Yeah, that, that's always the, the fascinating part, like how, you know, more more down the succession uh, line where, you know, where, it, you know, the business kind of either does well, maybe not so well. Uh, and yeah. so kind of talk about that a little bit. Like, is it like. Uh, just a different mindset, different, you know, eras, like, you know, there's, there's baby boomers, there's millennials, there's Gen X, is that, that whole deal? Like, it seems like a whole stew of stuff going on there where you're passing a a business down the line like that. There's a whole stew of stuff. I love love that. I think that's that's correct. (laughs) There is a misnomer in family businesses, in the world of family business, they have the three generation rule. Mm. And in fact, it's, it's a rule, uh, doing air quotes around the world in every language in Chinese, Italian, Portuguese, uh, American, English, (laughs) they say from rags to riches to rags Mm. in three generations. And the, the idea is, Oh, the founder comes from rags, creates a good business. The second generation does okay as a bunch of siblings. And the third generation, well, they're a bunch of entitled cousins and they can't get along and Ah. they're, their disharmony breaks up the business. Uh, and this was founded on a study way back, I think, in the 1970s of just some manufacturing companies in Illinois that they found this thing and they said it's really hard to go through three generations. But if you think about it, Dominic, three generations, a generation is usually 25 years, right? So that's right. 75 years of right. a successful business. Most businesses, I think the statistic, you might know better than I, I think it's like, most that get started don't last for more than five or 10 years. Right. So family businesses are actually the longest living types of businesses out there. I was on with a uh, Japanese uh, firm at a Cornell event we did. Mm -hmm. And this, this hoteler, he was in the 44th generation of running his family business. 
So how you do that, that's the key. <laughs> whether you want to do that is another question. For sure. For sure. That, that, that definitely that part of whether you want to do that is definitely a, a big question. Yeah. And, you know, and that leads us to your book. Once again, Startup Nation, that book is Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain Successful and Enduring Enterprise. And if you want to pick up that book, Startup Nation, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you're listening to the replay on the podcast now and i'm going through the book here and you you mentioned this at the top of the show a little bit and you talk about in the book uh the five rights of family owners kind of talk about that a little bit if you don't mind rob yeah um so as an owner and i'm, I'm going to say this as a family business owner, sure but it's also of any privately held company mm-hmm. you have that being an owner is a set of decisions that you you need to make and the more explicit and clear you can make those decisions the better. And we we call those decisions, the first one is design. And what that means is you should design your ownership to work for you. Do you want to be, do you want to be the sole owner? Do you want to be just a few of you owning it? Do you want to set the rules that to be an owner, you have to work in the business? Right. Do you want it to be that it's a distributed model. A whole lot of people can own it. Our family businesses and other businesses come in all different shapes and sizes. It's a really big decision, though. If you want to be the sole owner, mm-hmm. you're saying, brother, I'm not owning with you. I'm going myself. And then maybe for the next generation, I'll give it to my children. Right. This The second right you have, and that's a right that you have, nobody else has. And I think it's a right that a lot of entrepreneurs pass over too quickly. Because you're like, okay, I'm going to go start a business. And you have to, well, should I be an LLC? Should I be a C-Corp? Should I be an S-Corp? Should I want to be the sole owner? Should I have voting rights and economic rights the same or different? So we recommend slowing down on that decision, right. looking at your options and thinking forward, You know, I, am I building this to sell it or am I building this to own it right. for the long term? Right. Very different. If you're building to sell it, get some outside capital, maybe DC money in, because they're going to want to pop their investment probably in five or 10 years. Mm -hmm. If you want to keep it, you will need patient money, maybe your own money, maybe family money to get you there. So that's one right, a very important starting right. The second right is around who makes decisions. As an owner, you have the right to make every decision in the business. You don't have to let anybody else make a decision. If you own a pizza shop and you want to like say, color the carpets this, pepperonis are going to be bought from that company. The price of a pan pizza is this. You have that right. Right. If you own a $100 million business and you're the sole owner, you still can make all the decisions. The problem is you're probably not making the right decisions. One person making all the decisions is hard. So you can either, again, have a centralized model, which we call kind of a loft, where you're running around making all those decisions in one big room. Or you can start segregating the decisions out to a board of directors, to your management team, and also to, uh, to the owner group. So that's super important. For sure. The, the, the third right is super is really important. And, and I, I would stop on this because I think when people are creating businesses, they, everyone talks about, the, what's your business model? What's your business right. model? What's really important is not only thinking about your business model, but also your ownership model. Mm. How, how are you going to own? So look at Facebook. You know, what did Zuckerberg do, right? He he gave away the economic rights because he went public. Mm-hmm. He uh, he still controls the ownership rights, the control rights. Does any real big decision 
still goes through him. Right. It's a fascinating way he was able to keep control of a multi-billion dollar company. He clearly had thought that through. So this is what an owner is doing. So the third right is all about this. What do you value? And there are three aspects of value most family businesses take a look at. Unlike at BCG, when I advise publicly traded companies, where it's very simple, mm-hmm. the goal the goal is total shareholder return. <laughs> Get your stock price up and everybody does well. And those investors, shareholders who don't like it, they're going to go buy another company. With a privately held business with not many owners, it's different. You can choose to grow your value, but that's one of the choices. The other choice would be, we call it liquidity. Mm. So think of a triangle, growth on the top, liquidity at one angle, and then control at the other angle. You can choose to really grow, and that probably means you're not going to take much money out of the business, so liquidity would be low. And then control basically means, am I going to, are we going to own this thing together, just the few of us? Dominique, you and I are in business. Right. You and I are going to own this business, and that's okay. I don't want to grow it, but, but I want to take a lot of money out of it. Okay, we're good. And then you say, no, Rob. I want to really grow this. Well, Dominique, we don't have enough money to do that. <laughs> right. Don't worry, Rob. I'm going to go out and get some outside investors. I'm like, outside investors, are you nuts? <laughs> <laughs> and you're you're playing on the control axis and saying, it's okay, Rob. I, I'll get some outside investors. That way we can really grow. And I'm like, I don't want to work for anybody else. I like to be an owner and report to I don't mind reporting to you, but right. to anybody else, I won't do it. So right. these are the three things in what we call value, mm. the decision about what do you – it's an active decision about what you value. Do you value growth? Do you value liquidity, taking money out? Or do you value that control 100% decision-making? Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you yes, for sharing the, it. The, Yes. Yes. I can go into the other two. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say lot, thank you for sharing that, but go ahead. Go, <laughs> go ahead. I'll touch on the other two just briefly. Sure. The, the one, two, three, fourth one, uh, we call inform. And this is an interesting right. one, but I'll just touch on it, which is, again, as an owner, you have the right to not let any information out of the business or a whole lot of business information out. Right. Most families, you don't hear about family businesses that much. They like to play under the radar screen because they don't want to be known as owning $100 million. There's a lot of problems with that. So they keep things very tight. But the more and the better you share information, the more you can build trust, either with your employees or within the community itself. So there's a trade-off there that clients think hard about. And the last big decision owners get to make is around transfer. So, Dominique, it's been great working with you the last 30 years. We're in our mid to late 60s now. We're brothers. What are we going to do with this business? Are we going to – we have the decision right to sell it outside the family. Or we have both have daughters. They're really talented. Right. Maybe we can bring them in. That's the fifth right of ownership mm-hmm. is transfer. How are you going to transfer the business? And you need, need to make that decision, hopefully, before you die. For sure. For sure. And, and, it, and it goes back to, you know, what you were saying earlier, that trust part. You know, you talked about that in the fourth righted form, that building trust. Yes. I, I'm curious about, you know. Dive into that part just a little bit, because I I think a lot of times, whether it be a family business or a uh, non-family business like that, that, you know, that trust part has broken up families. It's broken up friendships. Like, you know, what are some of those things to kind of, you know, I guess, keep in mind when it comes to that part? 
Oh, that's a really good question. I'm going to take it a little bit different. Please do. Five rights. And sure. I, I've, I've said the same thing. And like for years, I'm like, what is trust? Mm. Right. What is trust? And what's the foundations of trust? And we met a professor at uh, Boston University who said, oh, trust, it's, it's R-O-C-C. And we're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said it's, it's, it's composed of um, being vulnerable to another is the foundation. So to trust someone, if I'm going to trust you, Dominic, I got to be vulnerable to of you. Of course. Okay. And that vulnerability is based upon my assessment of your reliability. Mm-hmm. Do you show up on time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you ask good questions in your podcast? The, are you reliable in a way? Right. You're not going to ask me about, you know, some lacrosse team or something. No, we're going to stay on contact. <laughs> <Got you. laughs> the second is openness. Are you willing to share things or you're totally closed down? If you're in a meeting and someone's just being stonewall, just not saying anything back, right. your trust of that person will, will go down. That's a whole very lot. true. The, the third thing is, uh, is confidence. You want to trust those people who are competent. So if we're trying to do, you know, I've listened to your podcast. I really like them. You know what you're doing. I would trust doing a podcast with you because mm-hmm. you have great questions. You have great follow-up. You've read this material. Let's go. We have trust between us because you're competent. Right. The final one is harder to really know. It's it's caring. Does the person, so R-O-C-C, mm, caring. Right. Caring is, do I trust this person to care for beyond themselves. Mm. So Dominic, I know you're doing very well in the podcast, but do you care how I do in my work and family business? Gotcha. This is the test that we have. So I have found just dissecting trust. It's really useful if you're looking at someone, you're across the table, you're going, I don't trust this person. (laughs) And it was kind of this blobby thing. Instead, I I click through, I said, what's going on here? Is that he's just looking out for himself? Is she is she not open? Right? Is she not reliable? They're always late. We have this great family we work with, and uh, next generation developing into a really good next next set of owners. There was one guy, very talented, very smart, and very late. <laughs> Every meeting, he would come in like halfway into the meeting. We're trying to get stuff done. We couldn't without Fred there. And his reliability was super low. So we could use ROCC and say the trust issue isn't when you're here, you're confident, you're caring, you're open, you're just not reliable. You right. don't trust that you'll be there when we need you. For sure. So using this rock has helped me. For sure. No, no, I appreciate that because look, the reason I asked, man, because like I, I can't tell you how many times like you go to your neighborhood, you know, a pizza shop and stuff like that. And, you know, the owner's not there, but like their cousin is working that day. Right. And they, they just get to say like, oh, and they just treat you any kind of ways. Like, oh, I can't get fired. Right. You know, because, you know, I can just oh. do whatever I want. You know what I mean? And, and so it's oh. like that's f- part is frustrating. <laughs> so you're in a sure. whole really important area of family right. businesses, mm-hmm. which is family employment mm-hmm. right what are the right. rules Absolutely. for working in a business and is it an entitlement or and our family the clients that we work with they do this every which way it's probably the most single fascinating element of family business because you put together the two most important i'll call it assets mm-hmm. in your life right. one of which is your family business where probably most of your wealth is right. and the second is your children or right. your nieces and nephews Absolutely. and you put those two together and when these two things are put together, oftentimes the, the owners just short out. They're like, it's too complex. It's it's like, I'll just let Tommy 
just be at the pizza shop and not act well because I don't have any control because he's my brother's son. If I say anything to my brother's son, right. my brother will be really mad at me. Exactly. It's re- really important on family businesses to, or whenever you have a relative working in your business, to set up the rules or policies around family employment before you hire the next generation in. You have to make decisions around Will any family members be permitted to work in the business? If so, what's their criteria? Is it a higher bar than hiring a non-family member, a lower bar or the same bar? You have to set compensation. We've seen uh, family businesses where five sons came into the business, all uh, not all equally talented or Mm. devoted to the business, but paid exactly the same amount. And you can imagine the, the oh, conflict boy. siblings always come with rivalry. Right. If you pay the same amount and they don't work the same amount, you've goosed up the rivalry. And the right. final thing you need to do is figure out if what your what your uh, exit path is. If a family member isn't working out well, you're just going to let them stay. You're going to give them two warnings or you're just going to fire them because you feel like it. If some if a family member in a business is fired unexpectedly in their eyes, they typically exit the business and exit the family mm. for five years. Five years is the Rob rule, gotcha. <laughs> which basically means they're so ashamed because so much of their personal identity is, I'm going to be the next owner. I'm going to be the next CEO. My name's going to be on the door just like mom's. Right. And it didn't work out. So they're right. Right. they have to go away, away from the family, recreate their uh, their. Uh, their identity, basically, if you right. terrible example, but I'll use it anyway. Sure. The Lion King. I'm sure with your daughter, you've watched The Lion King. Absolutely. You're, do you remember when Simba had to basically go away to the hyena world or the or the right. uh, elephant graveyard or right. something like right. that and refine and redefine himself because he was failing as the future king. Mm-hmm. He had to go recreate himself and then he came back strong. Right. For sure. No, I, I had to ask that because, like I said, we, we see that all the time. And, you know, and, and that brings up another question I wanted to ask. And I'm not trying to turn Startup Nation, trying to turn our show into a reality TV show or something <laughs> like that. But I have to ask, because when you have a business and you throw the aspect of family in it, I mean, those familial issues come up. And we're talking like divorce and marriages and death and uh, extramarital affairs. And now there's another kid that's you no, know, not necessarily in the core part of the family that may have entitlement to a piece of the pie and stuff like that. I, I guess I'm just curious how you navigate that stuff. Cause like I said, I'm not trying to be all reality TV show on you, but that stuff happens. Oh, Let's be honest. That, that stuff happens. That stuff does happen. So two, two responses to it. There's sure. this HB, HBO show, called succession right which is about a, it's like the murdochs i don't know if it's modeled <laughs> on them but it, it gives it reminds you of the murdochs the i've watched a couple episodes i couldn't watch anymore and mm. the reason wasn't because the the issues aren't real right. you know, the succession issues and the divorce and whatever because all families and i guess all family businesses have death and of new course. spouses coming in of course mental health is is in many of them mm-hmm. but what was untrue <laughs> to me at least in succession uh, compared to family businesses i work with the, the owners of the family businesses i work with are amazing people trying mm-hmm. to do the right thing of course they get into trust traps or they don't communicate well and they make mistakes and they don't forgive quickly enough in these things but they're good people <laughs> succession characters are bad people right that's, that's just true not, i would say that's the one percent of family business members are bad people it's the 99 percent that we're lucky enough to. i believe with. that i definitely the, believe that 
But do you need to get ahead of the issues that you mentioned, like death or spouses coming in or next generation? And again, it comes back to pre-thinking and get a policy. Okay, if a a spouse is going to come into the business or or into the family, are we going to have a prenuptial? You mm-hmm. need to talk about that before you have to talk about that as a family, nuclear family, and you have to talk about it with the spouses before it becomes becomes an issue. Sure. Or when it when it's a problem is when you're not ready, you're never totally ready when someone if someone's gonna die. But if you haven't prepared the business for a succession, like next CEO and the estate, many of these family businesses are super wealthy. Of course. And they haven't put their money in a way that you can transfer it to the next generation. And the winner then becomes the, uh, the IRS mm-hmm. rather than the family and, and the employees in the business. Right. For sure. For sure. I, I had to ask that because like I said, that's something that it, it, it comes yeah. up and, and I'm glad you said you kind of, you know, uh, uh, kind of squash that myth where, because I think we look at a show like a succession and think, oh man, like that, that's gotta be the 99% when it's actually just the 1%. Uh, I really sure. think it's the 1%. I, I believe that too. I, yeah. Cause We've I mean, had people dis- uh, think, should I join Banyan, you know, as a, as an advisor, for sure. as a partner who say, I don't know if I want to work with those family business types. Right. And we're like, just meet a few and you will understand. They have conflict. Yes, indeed. They've got great conflict. Right. Conflict is actually can be quite healthy. Uh, so don't shy away from conflict. Oftentimes we uh, we actually need to create some conflict in these systems. Conflict is a really good topic to go after in family businesses. For too, sure. For sure. That. Absolutely. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Rob Lackenauer, the author of family, co-author of Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain a Successful Enduring Enterprise. And if you want to get your copy, Startup Nation, once again, that link is there in the show notes for easy access. I want to ask you one more question, Rob, uh, before we kind of transition here about the book, because you have a chapter here and you mentioned it uh, as well. And you also wrote a piece back in 2014, why I hired an executive uh, with a mental illness, you know, and you kind of talk about how, you know, when it comes to not just in business, just in general uh, about mental health and how we treat it in business and, and things of that nature. And you said it was kind of not necessarily bleak, but you know, we don't really do a good job in business. And that was four, no, six years ago when you wrote that piece, you know, yeah. uh, you know, at hbr.org. Uh, we have that link there as well. If you want to check that out, Startup Nation. No, no worries. No worries. Uh, I, I guess I'm curious, how do you think we've been doing since then? It's 2020. And now I know with the pandemic and all, it's probably, you know, uh, a little different than we expected. But how do you think we are treating mental health, you know, in business and hiring executives and stuff like that? Have we gotten better? Have we gotten worse? What's your take on that? I don't know if I'm qualified. Fair enough to, to, to answer that question. I, I view it very personally. Gotcha. Um, when when there was, I was doing an interview with this this woman uh, mm-hmm. that's noted in that HBR article. Gosh, it must have been more than about ten years ago or something. Gotcha. And, uh, across the table from me sat this incredibly talented person that I so wanted to work with, and at the end uh, of the discussion of the interview job interview she said rob i just need to let you know i have a mental illness Mm. and and it was it was a surprising thing to happen a brave thing i think for her to say of course and just my gut you know my gut just said (laughs) my heart said i don't care this is you're a great talent and we want great talent in our business 
uh, and it, she hired, we hired her. She worked with us for six years. She created some of the best intellectual property Banyan will ever have. So I'm so lucky to have worked with that woman. Mm. So that, you know, you look at the full person, right. you look at the full person. We all have, we all have problems for sure. And if we, if we focus just on that, we'll never get to the true talent that people bring. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I appreciate uh, you, you sharing that. I think far too often we, 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 we look at those sort of things like, ah, oh, they'll, they won't be a great fit here, but you know, but you, you also talk about in that piece about like how that uh, vulnerability can kind of turn into a superpower. So I, I, oh, I, I, oh I, boy, it I, was for her. Right. It is for her. Right. It just, she brought so much to our firm. We'll never, never forget her impact on us. For okay. sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that for sure. And all right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. episode of the startup life is powered by colony spark startup nation with our economy in flux there is a lot of mixed messaging out there if there was ever a time to take control of the narrative and let your customers know that you're here to serve them it's now and that's why you have a friend in colony spark colony spark is an omni-channel marketing agency that believes in the power of community to ignite your business they have helped companies across many industries with lead generation revenue growth and more to put them on the path to success My guy Bill Murphy and his team are very good at what they do. How do I know this? Because not many SEO companies have the stamp of approval of being partnered with Google. Yes, that Google. So I want you to go to www.colonyspark.com forward slash startup to schedule a meeting today. In that meeting, you will review your current marketing activity, receive actionable advice on how to pivot and grow, and ask any marketing questions you may have on navigating over the next few months. Look, Startup Nation, I know things may seem uncertain right now, but if you are looking for a business partner that can help light the way, go with Colony Spark, where they firmly believe in business helping business. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. You know, we, we talked about at the top of the show that you're also the partner as CEO of, of Banyan Global. We've mentioned it uh, a, a few times here. If you would just kind of talk to me, because I, I think you have about 200 uh, family clients over, have worked with over 200 uh, family business clients and stuff like that. Kind of talk to me what that onboarding process of a client looks like and how did you come up with it? Oh, that's a great question. So um, clients come to us in different different forms sure but what what's super important is um the the client so our clients i should be specific our clients are owners mm-hmm. of typically large family businesses right. 100 million dollars and up right and the the owners can be two it can be literally 700 <laughs> depending <laughs> upon how many owners there are gotcha what's in in family businesses uh, there's a lens that's super helpful that you need to go through to understand what's going on and the decisions that they face. And it's called the levels of analysis. And you need to know the individuals, you know, if, 
if Dominic, you and I are the owners and the two owners, and that matters. If we're like super entrepreneurial and like, like doing a hundred different things, that right. matters. If we're very conservative and we're not going to do. So the people themselves, owners are people in family businesses. And that's why it's such a cool business. It's mm. not this, it's not like Fidelity Magellan Fund, you know, owns right. this. This part, Tom, you know, Dominic and Rob, we own the business with our wives. Okay, now it's more complex. <laughs> so what are we going to do? <laughs> right. The second thing that's super important that we get a, a sense for is the relationships, right? So mm. if the relationship that it's you, me, and our and our spouses, if we work really well together, that's one set of possibilities about the decisions they face. Or if we're all in conflict, or we're all in conflict with my wife but not your wife, we need to understand that. Right. The third level, which is the hardest level to get your mind around, is a family business is a system. And a system basically means it's a set of interconnected activities. And it, this this means uh, it's their tax decisions, their legal decisions, their business decisions, their family decisions. All they're these people. They're the assets you own. They're the assets you can't change. All of this comes together, and it's super important that you understand in any system, changing one thing is going to have unintended consequences on mm, other things. Right. Somebody dies, right? right? All of these consequences. Maybe we've lost our head of marketing and uh, the trust opens up for the next generation who now become owners. Oh my God, I'm sitting at the same table as my <laughs> nephew who I never liked. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so thinking about, so we do a lot of work initially with clients at these three levels, getting to know them as people. What do they want? What is their story? Where are they coming from? I love how you open your podcast with, tell me about your story. That's mm. exactly what we do. Right. And the second question we ask our clients is, what do you want? And usually they're kind of stunned by that question because mm. we're asking it as, as an owner of a great family business, what do you want to do next? You as a person and you for the system. And then we look at the relationships and then we look at the full system and its interconnectedness. Gotcha. You know, I, I appreciate that, that question, you know, what do you want? Because it seems like it goes beyond just the transaction of what you're doing there, right? It's like you're actually yeah. looking out for the family. You're actually looking out for the business and look actually looking out uh, for the person. So I appreciate that. And Startup Nation, I think you should add that in your entrepreneurial toolkit. Now, granted, if you're selling hamburgers, you may not, you know, go that deep into something like that. But if you have the opportunity, I think yeah. it, there's a, a opportunity to kind of go deeper with the client. What do you think, Rob? It's a great, it's like my favorite question for a client. It's a little bit kind of stark, right. but it gets like, because we're asking to that that, that guy making hamburgers, right. what do you as a, if you own that hamburger joint, mm -hmm. what do you want? Right. I want one shop, and I want to be left alone because I just like making the best hamburger in the world. I don't want to grow right. this place. I just want to – or that person comes and says, this is the first of a thousand. I'm Ray Kroc in, right. <laughs> in the sky. Right. I'm going to create the next McDonald's off of that. A lot of times the owners don't feel they have permission to say, this is what I want. Or they say, I want out. I'm sick and tired of my cousins. Mm. I want, I want to have, I want, I want to separate. And to a lot, we, we say owners can want what they want and we don't judge. There's yeah. no, there's no way I could judge someone and say, oh, you want to be separated from your family? Oh, I'm going to judge that that's not inappropriate. No, no. You listen, you understand why, and then you help them to uh, get what they want. If it's, of course, you know, within bounds of legality and other 
ethical concern. Gotcha. No, I appreciate that. I, I want to ask you this because you, you've also, you know, you, you do business uh, across the globe, 20 countries uh, as per your, your website here. And, and I'm curious because I know like the way we do business in the United States is a lot different than they do it in Japan. It's a lot of they do it in different in China and stuff like that. I guess I'm curious and, and many of your, you know, you know, uh, client interactions. What are some of those things you've learned outside of maybe say the United States that you've kind of incorporated into uh, Banyan Global, whether it be how to build a culture, whether it be how to just conduct business with, you know, with a, with a client, just kind of talk about that a little bit, if you don't mind. Oh uh, yes. That's a great question. We, uh, we started Banyan about nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, first office was in Boston, Massachusetts, where we live, where right. I live and some of the other partners. Our second office is in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And everyone's like, Sao Paulo? <laughs> what yeah. the heck? Gotcha. I wouldn't have thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. New York, right. <laughs> or LA or something. And it turns out we just we had a few clients there, which were these amazing family businesses. Probably, I'd say, of the family businesses I've worked with, the, the I don't say the best, but the, the most thoughtful that have really thought deeply about their family business. Right. And we found, or they found us three, four, five now people, Brazilians who are awesome at what they do and do with us. So they've joined Banyan. They're our partners and principals now and working with these great family businesses. So we've learned some of the best practices of family businesses from our Brazilian practice and (laughs) in how we manage Banyan itself. The Brazilians are, it's like a reverse takeover, Dominic. Ah. <laughs> they're running the place because gotcha. they're so good. Uh, so Brazil is one place where I would say we just, we have learned our practice from them, both our client practice, because these great family businesses, we work there, but also our internal practices and processes from the quality of the Brazilian you know, the people and thinking that they brought to our firm. For sure. But we could we could do the same thing. You know, we work in Saudi Arabia, we work in the Philippines, right. we work in Tasmania, and there are all of these different things you learn from each each different culture. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to us that. The laws, you talk about the system of the family business. Right. Part of that system is the legal system that connects in. Of course. And if you're working in you know, a Muslim country, Sharia law has mm, a lot to do with how true. you can pass. Right. What's so great about that, I think, Dominic, is you go, it, it challenges your assumptions. You're like, well, that's not how it works here in the Big United facts. States. We yeah, have trust absolutely. and blah, yeah. blah. Well, they don't have trust in the Middle East. They, they don't have that system. You go, oh. How do you do it? Well, oh, so by working in different cultures and, and countries, it challenges your core un, unthought about uh, assumptions and beliefs about how it should be done. And that's one of the things I love the most. Gotcha. The other thing, well, one more thing. Sure. And edit this out. <laughs> no, much, no, I'm keeping it in. Just, go ahead. <laughs> the other thing you go, your cultures are different. The U.S. is an individualist culture. There's uh, there's a honor culture, say, in you know Italy and some of the Southeast, United, South, Southern United States. Right. And then there's a harmony culture in, in, in Asia. That's all true. Mm-hmm. And more important, people are people. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. (laughs) Who you meet, you know, what what it's part of family business systems is a sameness across the world. Mm -hmm. By which I mean, if you meet, it goes from a founder to a sibling partnership, so a bunch of siblings owning a firm. If as soon as you know that this family business in Singapore and this family business in Italy uh, are owned by siblings, 
you know some of the issues that are going to be present because these are human issues of right. sibling rivalry. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all equals as, as brothers. Well, wait, one of us has to be CEO. Well, that can't happen. We won't call anybody CEO. We'll right. all be, we'll all be just chiefs. <laughs> or right. we'll, we have a, we know a firm that broke up. They have a, uh, pest control business in Texas mm-hmm. and second generation, three brothers. And they broke Texas up into three parts doing the same business. But the number one rule is you will not work in your brother's territory. Ah. And that that's a microcosm of what you would find in Indonesia or you would find in, uh, in Austria. Gotcha. That's very interesting. And it is like, it is once again, like that, those familial, uh, aspects, rivalries, or whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, it just really plays into that business. So it's just very fascinating. So I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I hope I hope you're so fascinated that you're gonna like have your daughter doing some podcast with you soon. Absolutely, really- absolutely. <laughs> you, you know, uh, it, it's funny you mentioned that. You know, she's uh, she she's downstairs right now doing a virtual school, and and she's always kind of interested. Like, are you recording today, Daddy? Yeah, I'm recording oh. today. So so it's like I think the the fire may have been lit just a little bit. Uh, so we'll- when uh, when our middle daughter was in high school, yeah, she she did an internship at Banyan, and mm-hmm. it was so useful uh, for that. me because working with family businesses, and now I had a family member in our business. And mm-hmm. there are two things I realized that it was a great joy. It was a great joy to. She would come home. We we drive home together, and she's like, "Dad, what was going on in this meeting?" I'm like, "Well, here's how I saw it." She's like. Well, here's how I saw it. I'm like, right. oh my God, that's much more than I saw. Right. And and the second thing was my I think I'm an okay, you know, leader, CEO, and all of these things usually, but having my daughter in the meetings mm-hmm. totally upset the Apple card. Mm. Banyan people were saying, You're treating her special. Well, I'm like, well, she's only an intern, so don't be worried. But wait, you tell me what you're talking about. And they're like, Well, you're kind of focused on her. It's all you can't do that, Rob. It's about us as a business. I'm like, oh my God, this is what our clients go through. I get it. Right. So it's so useful to to uh, uh, go through the same experiences as our clients with family businesses. So I look forward to that first interview. For sure. Know, well, absolutely. <laughs> For sure. For sure. You know, and I was going to ask you that because you, you mentioned earlier about how you know, when you was at BCG and it was going to take up a lot of time uh, and, and, you know, yeah. because, you know, your daughter and stuff oh, like yeah. that, you know, uh, I was going to ask that because I was just going to ask about talk about being a dad, because it, it seems, you know, it's, it seems very clear uh, that, you know, that part of your life is extremely important to where it did ultimately affect uh, your career and your, and your, and your lifestyle and your, and your entrepreneurial yeah. aspect. So just kind of talk about being a dad. Cause that's, that's clearly important to you. And I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, it is. We have three daughters. They're, uh, they're in their twenties now. Gotcha. One's in medical school and two were, two were in college. But mm-hmm. so they're, they're kind of launched, although COVID has <laughs> yeah. launched them back home a little bit. Right. But during those, you know, I, I had a great dad. I had a great dad. He was a successful business executive salesman and he coached my baseball team. Okay. He, he always was at every crazy, but every football practice or football game that I was there, he was totally present, showed his interest. And uh, I couldn't do that. There was a famous <laughs> for me little scene where our eldest daughter was, I think, three or four years old. And she was going to a little farm near where we live called Drummond Farms. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be dad and daughter, you know, at four o'clock in the afternoon with 
farmer, Debbie, and 10 other kids uh, with their parent uh, milking cows. Gotcha. Right? And I tried to get there four, four weeks in a row, and I missed mm. every single one. Mm. And I said, this this is this is the message right, right. <laughs> this is i will not be present in my my daughter's life right. if i continue at this pace and i couldn't find you know some people would have the strength to create the boundaries that they needed to say this is a violent time and i'm so client focused that uh, with a client <laughs> uh, schedule time over that time and i said i can't do both great client work and be a great dad so that was an easy choice you know it, during that time you'll know, go through life stages during that time when they were, you know, four, you know, zero to, you know, going to college, that was core time. Now, you know, it's easier to travel. I'll, I'll miss my wife, but she's got a big career too. So, gotcha. uh, it's, but there's that core time. You never get it back. You never get it back. And, uh, I'll, I'll always, uh, I'll always thank Debbie, the farmer gotcha. <laughs> for no, teaching me that lesson. I hear that. No, I, I've had that with, with my daughter as well, where I, I, I think one day I had three recording sessions scheduled yeah. and, yeah. you know, and she wanted to, to go outside and I was like, I, I got three, baby, I got three recording sessions. I got, you know, it's scheduled a week in advance. And they're you know, like, well, but, but she asked like, well, can I just be on the podcast that way? I can just talk to you that way. And my heart just like, oh, man. Oh, man. You're right in the right. heart of the Exactly. Right? Like, so imagine my, my eight-year-old daughter trying to schedule my calendar just so she can, you know, that. it's like, oh, man. See, and so I get it, right? I definitely yeah. get it. You know, they, One of the most important ideas that I've learned really working with family businesses, they teach us a lot. Yeah. The best ones, you know, family business is really complicated because you have all this family aspects intertwined with all these business aspects, right? The best ones understand the idea of boundaries right. and they say, this is the time for this. This is the place for that. <laughs> and those two, they won't meet. And they, they, it's hard, but you have to say, I have these boundaries. And that's what I was not able to do right. uh, myself. I'm not blaming anyone other than myself. I didn't understand the importance of, of boundaries, course. but it, it's super important to be a great dad and to be a good business person to understand how to run your boundaries. For sure. For sure. Once again, Tyler Nation, we're actually wrapping up uh, with Rob Lackenauer, uh, the author of Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain Successful Enduring Enterprise. And once again, if you want to check that book out, uh, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you listen to the replay uh, on uh, the podcast, I, I want to ask you uh one quick question before we kind of start to uh, wrap this thing up a little bit, because you were talking about, you know, uh, uh, being a capitalist and stuff like that, going to the West Point of capitalism and stuff like that. Uh, uh, and one of the things we're starting to see a lot of times, and I don't know if you're, you know, you, you've seen this, not just in your your family business, but just in the business <laughs> landscape in, the, in general, is this this idea of altruistic capitalism where it like that you have the the business model and the profit margins and stuff like that but there's an aspect where it goes to some type of social cause i think one of the famous ones is like tom's shoes uh, that a lot of yeah. people like to talk about stuff like that you know what's your take on that you know is that is that a new thing is that something that that was kind of here for a while and it, it went away now it's back what's your take on that my take is that family businesses have always done that fair Any enough 
study that you've seen that we've seen that I've seen about right. family businesses uh, indicate, uh, and I see it in practice that they're much more involved in specifically their local community right. and their right. and their employees. It's to me from what I see, it's more about kind of expressing their values into their local community. That's what they're really good at. Right. Uh, so an example might be, you know, Caterpillar Tractor Company, making those big diggers and stuff. They have dis- distributors or dealers in local markets, say in Chicago, they'll be a Caterpillar dealer. Caterpillar's policy is to have family-owned dealerships because they know that they have to be in their community and families are are much better, frankly, being in their communities than a corporately or private equity owned business that's mm-hmm. trying to just maximize profits. Right. What family firms do better than any other type of firm, I believe, is play long ball. They really think they're not thinking this quarter's profits. They're really thinking, are we going to be able to get this to the next generation? So their mindset is 25 years long. So they're not doing these short, quick the things they're doing, how are we going to build a system in the community that's going to make this thing last for 25 years? And I think with that kind of perspective, it just changes everything. It changes that. everything. Yeah. I heard that. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, I just want to say, Rob, thank you so much for sharing your time, sharing your book uh, and everything in between. We definitely have appreciated our uh, this conversation and the content that you provided. And once again, Startup Nation, that book is Family Business Handbook, How to Build and Sustain a Successful Enduring Enterprise. And Rob, before we go, could you just give us some words of encouragement, you know, with everything going on and stuff like that? Just kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today, if you don't mind, good sir. The uh, What I have done, I don't know if this will be useful for any, anyone else, but uh, I'm a big reader. And uh, in this time of COVID, which is tough, uh, mental health, physical health, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people dying, a lot of people sick, scary times. Right. Uh, it's been super useful to read some history. Mm. So I've read a few books on, say, you know, Winston, Eric Larson uh, on Winston Churchill uh, during the first year that he was in during World War II. Right. Those were tough times. <laughs> right. <laughs> Those were tough times. So it's so useful. The other book I would really recommend, um, oh gosh, uh, Pinker, Stephen Pinker, mm. uh, my, uh, Our Better Angels, and uh, in better than that even, Enlightenment Now. The argument in Enlightenment Now is he takes a long and millennial look at some of the core measures of, of human health and happiness, you know, uh, uh, education, uh, uh, women's, women's health, uh, income, uh, makes a strong argument that I deeply believe that despite the ups and downs, and we're a little down right now, mm-hmm. the long-term play is a big up. <laughs> and it's so useful to look at the long-term perspective and say there are bad times, like beginning of World War II. Right. But if you look at the long-term perspective, we're going in a good place. Right. For sure. You know, uh, you know, I, I would like to suggest also, you know, because I know you're in a podcast as well. Are you familiar with the historian John Meacham? Oh, yeah. I love me too. Yeah. yeah. He, he has a fantastic podcast called Hope Through History. 
And, and, oh, I would love to hear that. Yeah, I will he, listen to that. Yeah, and he talks about Church Hill, talks about Roosevelt during the Great Depression, uh, Woodrow, you know, the, the theme during the Spanish flu and stuff like that. So you'll probably like that one. Uh, I will. Well. Thank you. For I'm kind of a history nerd myself, so. <laughs> for sure uh, and that's going to wrap up this session of the startup life once again we want to thank rob lackenauer for coming on the show thank you so much good show good show good sir <laughs> Can't speak thank right you now. so much I, I enjoyed the whole conversation and your questions are excellent no worries have a good day. no you too and as always startup nation if you have an idea be about that life the startup life if you want to let us know what you think about our show have an idea for a show topic or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.